You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio, and Jane Slater from NFL Network. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Eagles broadcaster Howard Eskin. Howard, if Nick Foles pulls a Jeff Hostetler, wins the Super Bowl as a backup quarterback, Clearly, he'd be in high demand as a starting quarterback, but he's got another year on his deal in Philadelphia, right? He's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere, and he's better than Jeff Hostetler. So let's just clear that up right now. He is better than Jeff Hostetler. Uh, But he does have another year on his deal, and here's why the Eagles would not trade him, because Carson Wentz is not – they hope he comes back for the beginning of the season. Uh, but I don't think he's going to, you know, we're way ahead of ourselves, play any during training camp. And you just got to be sure that you have a quarterback to start next season. So Nick Foles, when he wins the Super Bowl, will not be going anywhere uh, before next season. Give me the performance of this entire football team, because I, I thought all year, you know, you know how it goes, Howard. You play so well, and of course, you know, everyone holds their breath because you wish they can play this way in the latter part of the season. But it seemed like once the bye week came and Nick Foles played in his first game, everybody was like, ah, this looks pretty good. And then all of a sudden he comes out and just looks like a superhero, so to speak, uh, with this RPO action and, and, and Doug Peterson putting him in position to, to be able to act as if he's handing it off or even throwing the football. And he, he looks like a starter in the National Football League. Give me your take on the overall a view of how this offense actually executed. Well, when you look at the National Football League, he's at least better than half the quarterbacks in the league. So uh, he does look like a starter. This is uh, it's a combination of things, and I think it happened during the bye week before Atlanta when they got to the playoffs. Nick went back and evaluated the things he has done uh, to make himself, uh, to help himself become a quarterback and be a better quarterback and the way he played at times in the NFL. He's actually the only quarterback in his first three playoff games in the history of the NFL that has a hundred plus rating in his first three games. Now one game was a while ago, but obviously the two games he's just played, uh, count to what he's doing. But Doug Peterson, you mentioned him, Doug Peterson is such a good coach. And I don't think people until maybe now, really gave him the credit he deserves. I mean, I'm standing on signs. I watch the way he handles himself. And then we all see the, the plays that he calls. Uh, and he puts Nick Foles, <clears throat> put Carson Wentz in good situations, but he puts Nick Foles in great situations. And it, he's done everything right. He's installed plays and used plays that he hasn't used all year because he felt that with Nick he could, he could use them. There's just so many things that have happened. Uh, but uh, Nick Foles has just been so comfortable around him to practice every day. And I just left uh, the Eagles a little while ago. I- I'm I'm around there. I watch how comfortable he is. Uh, I see how confident he is. Uh, everybody believes in him and trusts him, his teammates. That's really big. And I, I think he just is – when he goes out there, and you don't know what's going to happen because this is a Super Bowl, but I honestly don't think anything's going to be different for Nick Foles as far as the magnitude of the game. 
uh, they keep on, and each player talks about it, instilling in themselves, it's the next football game. They know it's a Super Bowl, but it's the next football game. And that's the way I think Nick Foles treats it, and that's why I think he handles things so well. Getting you ready for the Super Bowl with our pal Howard Eskin, sideline analyst, Eagles Radio Network. Howard, since we're building the legend of Nick Foles, is it true that he contemplated retirement after it didn't work out playing for Jeff Fisher in St. Louis? Yeah, that's what he said. And, you know, you wonder. Uh, Nick uh, comes, uh, and I know his family, from a great family. It's not like uh, he needs football in his life. Uh, to be successful because I think he could be successful with a lot of things. Now, he's not going to make the kind of money he's making in football, but I don't think that's what that has what has driven Nick Falls. But he thought about it. I don't know how serious he was or I don't know how extensive it was, but you can only play football for so long. And I don't know uh, that he would have – if the offers hadn't come along and he hadn't gone to the right teams and – I hadn't gone back with Andy Reid. Who knows what would have happened? But I think he would be playing football because he knows he's confident uh, in his skills. And uh, I saw a quote from something he did with John Gruden in that quarterback camp. And and I'm going to paraphrase now because I don't remember the exact quote, but somebody pulled it out and I saw it somewhere today. And John Gruden says, you know, why should a team take you? And he said, because I'm going to make that team a better football team. So, you know, you're going to say what you have to say, but I think he really believed that back then. And strangely enough, when Doug Peterson was with the Eagles, the Eagles were the only team that went and worked out Nick Falls before the draft. It's kind of of amazing how what comes around goes around, but that's happened to Nick Falls. And the Eagles, uh, because of all that, were an easy choice for Nick Falls when he decided to sign him before the season. Howard, how important do you think it is to, to make sure that it's a good match personality-wise, uh, coaching style, and then player-wise? How, how big of a match does it, it really matter? It's in a sense of, let's just use that as an example. You have Jay Ajayi, who's in Miami. Uh, Adam Gaze is saying that he don't know what to do with the players or how to convey to them what they need to do. You look at, a, 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 a let's just say, Alshon Jeffries, who, who uh, let's just say, Chicago just threw him away. But yet they come to Philadelphia and they really become a big part of this offense, whether it's with Carson Wentz or it's with Nick Foles. Is it more coaching styles or, or, or it's just, you know, something where the players just respect coaches just a little bit different? What do you think it is? Well, uh, here's what's really uh, kind of interesting. All Sean Jeffrey, I don't know what kind of offers he had as a free agent, but he came here on a one-year contract. Now, he signed a new contract during the season, but there were no guarantees. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt came here on a one-year contract. Chris Long came here on a one-year contract. You know, when you think about, like, why they wanted to come here, uh, they probably had talked, and everybody knows players from other teams, talked to the players the way they believed in Doug Peterson, uh, the togetherness, and Jay Ajayi obviously had no choice. He was traded, and there was all kinds of talk about that he was disruptive in Miami. I don't know what happened in Miami, but he's not disruptive here. Uh, And I think when he came to the Eagles, there's players on that team that make sure that everybody is on the same page if, in fact, somebody is not. I don't think Jay Ajayi ever got there, but I think you feel it. It is This Eagles team is the team with the best chemistry, and and I don't say this lightly, with the best chemistry 
I have ever seen with an Eagles football team that I've covered. And I have covered them. I'm only 21 years old, but I've covered them since 1976. <laughs> so, so, but nonetheless, it is really, really a together football team. When they went to the last Super Bowl, that was 2004, T.O. was a great player, but he was disruptive. Uh, it was just not a good mix, and he created a division in the locker room, even though they went to the Super Bowl. So when you look back at some of the teams, and there were some good ones and some together ones, no team. None were as good as this team as far as everybody having everybody's back. And the cliche in sports, next man up, I thought it was all nonsense. It's like, okay, next man. Well, he can't be as good if he's a backup. Everybody that stepped in did a really, really good job. And it, it really, truly is the way it's all happened. is really kind of amazing. And in 2004, you were merely a teenager. Now you're all grown up. Howard Eskin is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Howard, I don't talk politics on my shows. I think listeners tune into a football show, believe it or not, to hear about football. But you're a renaissance man. So what do you make of Chris Long pointing out this week that the social activism he and Malcolm Jenkins engaged in in no way divided the Eagles this year at all? It didn't divide Eagles because they – they believed in not maybe not what they did. Uh, there weren't a lot of people. Malcolm Jenkins didn't kneel, but he raised his he raised his arm. Uh, whatever it was, uh, they believed in as people. They may not have been on the same page, but it didn't divide them because they were a team on the football field, and what they did around that uh, didn't bother them. But they're good guys, and they really get along. Really good guys. And they really get along tremendously with their teammates. Chris Long was such a good addition, so they trusted him. If he didn't believe in it, and he only supported Malcolm Jenkins. I don't know that he would have done anything if Malcolm Jenkins didn't raise his arm, but that's it. And then that stopped when the NFL worked out whatever they worked out with the players. I know there were still some players that kneeled. But, no, it didn't divide it because they they believe in each other as people. Not just teammates, because Malcolm Jenkins said it today. He said uh, when they're in the complex, they hang together, they talk, and they hang together outside of the facility. Uh, and they're really good. They're friends. There's a lot of guys that are friends with a lot of guys, which doesn't always happen uh, on on a football team. And there's more players on a football team than any other team, and it doesn't. And I, I don't know that it happens as much as it is with the Philadelphia Eagles, but they just trusted and believed in the guys, maybe not in what they did, but who they are. How's the media now treating Doug Peterson, considering at the beginning they said he was in over his head, that maybe Coach Jim Schwartz should be the head coach, or he's walking around like he should be, but give me your take on how everyone is receiving Doug Peterson now, now that he's taking his team to a championship. Well, I'm going to tell you where I think that Jim Schwartz, and I like Jim Schwartz, because uh, he's a really good coach, and I get along with Jim. At times he may be a little bit different, but he's a really good coach, and I think he's genuinely a good person uh, in the times that I've been around him. But that started with that fraud Mike Lombardi, who didn't like Doug Peterson. He had an agenda because he initially said he's the least qualified head coach in the National Football League that he's seen in his 30-plus years of football. And then I think he fed somebody a story because he's friends with Jim Schwartz. I'm not going to hold that against Jim to try to kind of put Jim Schwartz in a position 
because Mike Lombardi thought that Doug was going to get fired because he didn't think they were going to play well this year. Well, that backfired uh, for Mike Lombardi. I don't. He never liked Andy Reid. So, and Doug Peterson came out of that Andy Reid tree, and I think he held it against Peterson because you couldn't rip Andy Reid. So, I, I, whatever it was, it was really from a very small part, and uh, the media didn't know enough about Doug, but anybody that's watched him, you know, they watched him last year, and he did a good job, uh, And but he was a rookie coach with a rookie quarterback who didn't know he was starting until eight days before the, the first game. So you had to give him a little bit of a pass, and he still won seven games. And he could have, you know, there was a lot of close games. But this year he's done such a good job, they couldn't find ways to complain. And I think they just climbed on because that was like the thing. Well, Doug's not good enough. Doug's not good enough. But Doug Peterson is good enough. Doug Peterson is really a terrific coach. The situation in uh, the game against Minnesota, it's, I think, 29 seconds before the end of the half. They get the ball back in their territory. I think it was inside the 30. And I'm standing next to people on the sidelines, and they said, oh, he's just going to probably kneel on it and go in the half. I said, he's not kneeling on it. Trust me. There's no way he's kneeling on it. And he went for it, and he got a field goal, which really just ended the game. It made it 24-7. That just put a dagger in the Minnesota Vikings. He's just, he's aggressive, but he's smart in his aggression. And he's done a terrific job with play calling. Really, really good. And the players all respect him, and they trust him, and they believe in him because he believes in them. You know, that's a cliche, too, but that's really the case with the Eagles. That really is. Howard, always a pleasure. We enjoy the conversations and look forward to chatting with you in person next week on Radio Row in Minnesota. I'll be out there. Uh, good to get out. I think there's a team going out there. I believe gonna, so. But more importantly, you'll be there. Howard, how many Super Bowls have you covered now, roughly? This will be my 38th Super Bowl. Again, I'm only 21 years old, so I did it before <laughs> I was even born. <laughs> Defying the laws of physics and math. Thank you, Howard. We'll see you next week. <laughs> See you guys later. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. All you want to do is listen to TuneIn, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too. All you need to do is flip the switch, and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 headphones are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones today. Bose, the official sound of Super Bowl 52. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. And today, Ian joins us from the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Ian, let's start in Orlando. Le'Veon Bell sounded optimistic today at the Pro Bowl. How do you think things are going to play out between Bell and the Steelers in the offseason when it comes to a new contract? I was certainly struck by his comments. Uh, It was much more optimistic than I was expecting. And I think one thing that's been clear here is the Steelers making sure that they don't go through this offseason what they did last offseason. Like, if they're going to do a deal... Why don't they just do it sooner rather than wait until July, for instance? Um, and I, you know, I, I think that's uh, 
it's 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 something that can work if both sides are committed to doing it. Uh, it's certainly something that can work. And you know, from the sounds of what or Le'Veon Bell's talking about, um, sounds like it's probably uh, it's probably going to get done. And I think that's very good for all parties. Yeah, it would be to finally get that thing under the bridge for that organization because where, wherever. Le'Veon Bell is. Uh, he's going to make his quarterback pretty happy. But how about Kirk yeah. Cousins? Speaking of quarterbacks, give me your take on what's going to happen with him. You know, you think Washington is going to franchise tag him, or they're going to let him go? I think it's possible. Um, not, you know, I, I didn't sound like transition tag is really something that they would they would consider. So uh, it's really going to be you know franchise tag at thirty four million, or uh, you know let him get to the old market. If he gets to the old market, then you know I, I would not expect him to come back to Washington. And you know, if you're Washington. You know, if you're going to replace him, well, who who's going to be better? I mean, I think that's one of the problems is um, who really is going to be better uh, if if you're going to move on from him. And you know, I know it's expensive, thirty-four million is a lot of money, but you know, what is the price of keeping a quarterback? Uh, and so, uh, it's a fascinating situation, and we are not close to the end just yet. Ian Rappaport is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Since you're at the Senior Bowl, give us a sense of what you're hearing about Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen. You know the key metric, sub-60 completion percentage when he played his college football. Uh, He does have huge hands, though. Um, Very important, yes. Big hands and a big heart, too. Yeah, yes, he does. Um, But, you know, it's um, I think he's having a pretty good week. I wouldn't say jumping off the, the field or anything, but good solid week and you know just being here letting the scouts take a look at him um you know showing up against good competition where obviously he didn't always face it in college and when he did he struggled a little bit um you know these are the things that i think are important um so you know it's good that he's here baker mayfield same thing you know people wanted to see what he looks like just how tall he is what's his affect um he's definitely getting a chance to do that when looking at those quarterbacks with, with understanding that that's why they're there, what do you see that you like uh, between people like the Josh Allens and the Baker Mayfield? Who becomes, in your mind, from what we've seen over the years with guys going into the National Football League, Football League and being able to make a splash, what guy you see so far that looks pretty good when it comes to, in, to his intangibles? Well, I, I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's competitiveness is something that, that certainly stands out. And, you know, he's not the tallest. Um, I think that's probably okay uh, because he is a fighter. And, and you know, teams, teams like that because when, you, when you're tired and it's the end of the game and you got to have it, you know, that's, that's the thing that can pull you out. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, probably more important than anything, you got to be in a good situation. You got to be somewhere where you're going to get some time to really learn and get some coaching. And, and you know, I, I feel like where a guy is drafted in this situation probably uh, alters their, their future more than anything. Finally, and beyond the quarterbacks, any other players generating early buzz at the Senior Bowl? Um, I think it's mostly here. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, roaming the sidelines, gossiping with some of these people here. Um, so it's not, you know, I've been focused on the practice, but not too, too much. I think for me, it's mostly, you know, trying to figure out where these quarterbacks go and then, you know, learning the rest of these guys. And that is how journalism works. Ian, we'll let you go back there to schmoozing. Go. Thanks for joining us on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history 
history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's talk Pro Bowl with Jane Slater of NFL Network. Jane, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Let's start with Le'Veon Bell making some news today. What do you say about his contract situation? You know, he talked to Kevin uh, Patra about that. We didn't get the opportunity to speak with him, uh, but it does seem that, you know, he's sort of amenable to coming back to the Steelers if they want him, uh, but it's going to be a situation where I think he's going to need to feel respected in order for that to happen, or, you know, as, as he's alluded to, he would be fine retiring. Um, I think he's just, he feels like he's accomplished a lot already at this point in his life. Um, I was able to catch up with Ben Roethlisberger today and just asked him about, obviously, the change that they're going to be having on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, things not going to change a lot as they promote the quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. So he said things are basically going to stay the same, but now they are going to face Todd Haley uh, twice a year. So uh, interesting situation, but he didn't dive into any of those theories that were out there floating around about um, any infighting between Key and Haley. If anything, he was just respectful of that relationship that they had. Jane, when you look at players like the Alvin Kamara as well as the Mark Ingram being on the same team coming out of the backfield because in the past – you know, a few times they had it where the guys from the same team may not be on the same team in a Pro Bowl. They may be on the opposite side. How much fun are those guys having? Because from afar on social media, I've watched them. They look like they're having a tremendous amount of fun. They are. What I love about these two guys is they genuinely care about each other. And, you know, that's so hard when you find two really talented guys at the same position so willing to divvy things up, support one another, cheer for one another. And they were both just so elated to make this Pro Bowl together, something that no team has had a duo do something like that since 1975. Um, and they're, they were just having a blast out there today. You know, both of those guys were, you know, the one thing I love about these these Saints players is they're not shy. They've got a lot of swag, a word that I typically hate. But that's, there's really no other word used to describe them. They were Snapchatting and Instagramming uh, from the field today, taking pictures with their coach. You know, I had to do an interview with both of them at the same time. Boom and Zoom have been inseparable uh, this season. And, you know, even when Sean Payton came off the field after practice, I looked at his running back and I said, is this just like a coach's dream? He's got Todd Gurley this week, Alvin Kamara, um, and, of course, Mark Ingram. So just a fun group with you know, plenty of personality and plenty of talent this week. Focusing on the Pro Bowl with Jane Slater of NFL Network joins us live from Orlando. Jane, we were having a difference of opinion. Debate is overused in our industry. It was organic. It was genuine about Derek Carr going to the Pro Bowl. And I understand a lot of it comes down to slotting and availability. But if we're just looking at the numbers, Carr did not have a tremendous season. Still, I guess... There weren't other obvious candidates, right? Who else was going to fill in once we found out that Tom Brady was unavailable and yet Alex Smith substituting for Phillip Rivers? Well, and you know, it's interesting. Ben Roethlisberger actually said something to me today that took me back a little bit. You know, I said, hey, this is your sixth Pro Bowl. He's like, yeah, it's the sixth one that I wanted to come to. <laughs> in other words, you know, these guys have to make this decision at the end of the season. Do they want to attend the Pro Bowl? Is it something they want to bring their families to because it is a bit of a commitment. And I think that that's why they've moved this Pro Bowl to Orlando is it is a little bit more family-friendly. It's easier for these players to get to. Um, you know, so I, I do think it's sometimes hard to get these guys to commit to something after a long season. 
you know, they have to think about their, you know, their bodies. And, you know, Derek Carr, I think, probably wanted a, a couple of those games back this season. Um, so, you know, there's, of course, going to be some, some debate as to whether he should be here. But I think that he's the type of guy that you're going to see that's going to, you know, put a lot of heart and soul into it, knowing that and probably wanting some of those games back this season, especially after the admission, um, I guess it was within the last month, where he was talking about how that back did, in fact, uh, contribute to some of his woes this season. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to maybe catching up with him a little bit tomorrow, just kind of asking him some of those questions. But, of course, you love to see a guy like Carr here, even if there's going to be some debate as to whether he deserved to be here or not. How about Antonio Brown? I know he played in the last game uh, in the playoffs, and, and he looked well. Uh, how does he look now running around, uh, running his routes? Does his calf look like it's still okay? He looks good to me today. Um, I saw him uh, just briefly. You know, what we're doing is we're basically running from AFC to NFC practice field uh, during the day because they stagger the practices a little bit. But the brief moments that I saw him on the field, he looked like he was, you know, going at full speed, looked like he was having fun. Um, so I didn't see that he was necessarily impeded by health uh, by any means. So I think he's going to be a fun one for the fans to watch as well. And Steelers Nation is certainly representing uh, well out here in terms of the fan base. Uh, a lot of Steeler fans in, you know, in the stands today cheering on their guys. And, of course, Mike Tomlin at the helm. Jane Slater of NFL Network is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. How about the skill showdown? What's the new wrinkle for kickers this year? Because, Jane, you know, kickers are people, too. They are people, too. And like last year when we had Marquette King out here having fun with them, I actually wasn't able to uh, watch the skills showdown today. They they sort of um, they sort of keep that under wraps because they do show it on ESPN. So we weren't able to go over there and see much of it. So unfortunately, I, I don't think that I can tell you anything about it. Oh, I think it's a version of tic-tac-toe. Isn't that exotic? Oh, interesting. Huh? Kickers well, showing I, off their I, skill. Cordell, you're a former AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. How do you think you would do in a kicking version of tic-tac-toe? Well, I tell you what, it probably would be really hard because the few little kicks that I had were it was about as easy as it gets, right? You know, you, you go on the road, you have to put it up in the air, and you just try to get it out as far as you can. You get lucky to get a few good kicks. But the ticky-tacky-toe stuff... I mean, that's a whole different ball game, Jane, when it comes down to going out and being a special team player, let alone a kicker, to try to play that type of a game. But you know what? Kickers deserve a little love, too. I mean, I've seen them do a lot of fun things in, in some of these events. And, and to see some that have Venetary and a few other guys, they, they've, been, they've been pretty darn good. But I don't know for sure who would be the best one out there right now. Who are the, who are the pro bowlers for the uh, Philco kickers? Who are they? Do we know? Uh you guys are just catching me on the spot. <laughs> We're doing hard-hitting journalism here. Hey, Jane, how about this? We know that youth football is a huge component of the Pro Bowl. Give us a sense of the vibe in Orlando. Security is really tight here at the hotel that I'm staying in, so they're they're dogging me right now for my credentials. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like That's more important. That. And, Jane, we're scheduled to talk with you Friday. So focus on security, and we will <laughs> chat with you on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your day in Orlando, okay? Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. All you want to do is listen to TuneIn, but all you hear is noise. With Bose QC35 Wireless Headphones 2, all you need to do is flip the switch and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 headphones are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk 
on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones today. Bose, the official sound of Super Bowl 52. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's focus on the reigning world champions from New England with Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time. The excellence of Tom Brady shouldn't become banal. So how impressive was it as you were watching that fourth quarter in the AFC title game that Brady was able to lead his team to yet another fourth quarter comeback, stitches in his thumb against a tremendous defense with no Rob Gronkowski in the second half? Yeah, it was another uh, another chapter in the uh, the book of the legend. And you know, there's been so many that you know it's hard to to really put them all in place or rank them. I mean, you know, there was a few years ago that Ravens game where you know two 14 point uh, deficits in the second half to come back from something like that. And then you're right to do it this time with you know you're without Julian Edelman because he's been out all year. But then you lose Rob Gronkowski to the concussion, and you know he just finds a way. And you know, quite frankly, even though it it sounds like it was a gruesome scene uh, last week when, when there was blood everywhere and then he ends up with 12 stitches. Um, it really seemed like the, the cut was a, a non-factor. Um, and you got a good vibe watching him in warm-ups when he came out and he's, he's high-fiving people and bro-hugging people seemingly with no regard for the hands and no glove. Um, and you watch him throw a few times and it's like, okay, you know, you expect him to be Brady and He's been Brady and, you know, better than he was down the stretch. You remember in December there was all the talk of, you know, I think it was five straight games with an interception and he's getting old and the cliff is coming. And, well, now it's two games where he's, you know, took care of business, blew out the Titans, and then facing a very good, young, fast defense that, you know, clearly gave them some issues early. You look and he's got the touchdowns, he's got the victory, and he's moving on to another Super Bowl. Um, you know, five touchdowns now in the postseason, no interceptions, just sort of cruising along at 68% completion percentage. Um, the man is the goat and shows no signs of slowing down, and it, it truly is remarkable. When is enough enough, Andy? I mean, he's 40 <laughs> years old. You know, the wife is crying for him to come home. He's done it on a few occasions. Uh, she's done it on a few occasions, excuse me. And again, as you mentioned, the dude just keeps on winning. Like, what does he do next? Like, what does he do to give him this same competitive rush that he's getting now playing the game that's causing him to stay in the game as long as he has and can continue to win? Well, certainly, you know, it's interesting that he clearly, you know, I think a lot of people would cover up the fact that their, their wife or their significant other was, you know, pressuring them to, to walk away. He's been very open with it. I mean, he said it last year at the Super Bowl that Saturday night she asked him to retire after the game, and he said, sorry, babe. And, you know, the whole thing about why would I stop now when I feel like I've been preparing for 17 years for this. You know, it's all been building towards I have all the answers to the test, I think is how he phrased it. And But I think you are seeing a little bit of the crossover with the, the TV12 method, brand, business that he's building, that empire. Um, if you guys have ever had the chance to hear him talk about it, he has the same sort of passion for bringing whatever you think it is, the workouts, the diet, the clothing, for bringing that to the, the people. He thinks he has found a way to stay healthy and train in a different way that's going to extend the careers of other athletes and help the careers of, of young athletes. And, you know, I think he really envisions this, you know, sort of going on the road and then being TB12 uh, centers in every city and, filling stadiums, almost like a self-help guru. 
he has a lot of passion for that, and I think you're seeing that transition. But I also think he understands that the best, the best poster boy for the business is him to continue to play into his 40s at a high level, and that helps build the brand. So I think the next passion is, is this TB12 method that he thinks is, is really revolutionary. So, Andy, he could become, say, a Tony Robbins of football. He's going to get out there in front of 15,000 people and rev them up? Uh, yeah, to some degree. And it's funny you bring up Tony Robbins because Tony Robbins was in Boston uh, this summer and Tom Brady was there and took part in the, I don't even know what you call that, show presentation seminar, uh, brought Julian Edelman with him. And, and I think there is some aspect to his business model that includes that, Tony Robbins taking it on the road and, and spreading the gospel of the TB12 method. And, you know, he's taking a lot of criticism in New England for it. Some people think it's sort of a snake oil or it's a hoax or he's working with quacks, but he's passionate about it. He believes in it. And whenever this chapter ends, whenever football ends, that's where it's going. It's going the passion, the desire, the business acumen is going to this TB12 business. Thinking of the TB12 business and looking at how it, the logo looks, do you think he falls into that world, let's just say, of NASCAR? Because it takes a team, uh, and I think his logo look it presents itself like it's a, it's, it, it's like you know, like how NASCAR is to an extent. Do you think he jumps into something like that? Because I'm trying to think of something other than his, you know, his TB, his T12 brand uh, that can bring such a rush. You know, you had Joe Gibbs that went into it. I think Michael Jordan dabbled into it. And when you start hearing Skip Bayless making these comparisons for us, the ice in his veins, do you think he may dibble, dibble, dabble into something like that? I can't really see it because he's, like I said, the only thing he's ever shown, two things he's shown this interest in. Football, we've seen that. You know, this Tom versus Time documentary that's coming out on Facebook. And, you know, you better, uh, you better be willing to give up your life to train to beat me because I'm willing to give up mine. That kind of desire in football. And then we've seen it a little bit in spurts here with the business. And, you know, a lot of people always wondered, would he go into coaching? Would he go the John Elway uh, route or the Peyton Manning route, try to run a business or broadcasting? A lot of people thought politics, you know, that he's a guy that, especially in this era, that if he wanted to get into politics, maybe he could be, you know, a senator or a president down the road. I don't think he likes any of that. I don't think he wants any of that. And, no, I've never seen any indication in other sports or, or any of that. To me, if if there's anything after football, it's it's – TB12, it's, it's finding a way to bring this to as many people as possible, build this business empire. Um, he's always been very calculated in his business dealings, whether it's endorsements or things of that nature. He generally gets a, a piece of the company when he endorses a product. And I think he gets a little bit of rush out of business. And I th- he certainly thinks he gets a little bit of rush out of the fact that he believes he can take some quarterback who's 30 years old and, and tell him how to play pain-free for another decade plus. And I think that's where it's going to go. Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. So, Andy, I was running through the comparative numbers trying to figure out who had the edge, at least when you're running the stats and looking at metrics. To me, Philadelphia's run defense could be a huge component in this game, but the question, I guess, that's really going to be formulated is, how much do you expect New England to try to run the ball, the Eagles' number one in the league against the run? Yeah, you saw the Patriots struggle to run last week. Uh, against the uh, the Jaguars, and you know, quite frankly, assuming Rob Gronkowski is out there in whatever, a little under two weeks now, and he was listed on this fictional injury report today, that did not practice with the concussion. But you know, the seems to be a positive vibe around here. Good good idea that he'll be ready to go on Super Bowl Sunday. If he's out there, I think they're going to throw the football. Um, you know, I look at the back end of that that 
Eagles defense, and it's been okay. It's not as good as the Jaguars defense, certainly. There's no Jalen Ramsey out there on this Philadelphia defense, and I know they, they run through a bunch of pass rushers up front, mix it up, and Jim Schwartz has some great schemes, but you know, I think Tom Brady, if he has Rob Gronkowski, he looks at his passing weapons and says, you know, I had a 100-yard game from Danny Amendola to beat the Titans. I had a 100-yard game from Brandon Cooks to beat the, the Jaguars. I had Danny Amendola with two touchdowns. I was able to get, um, you know, everybody involved. And I think he just looks at it and says, I can pick those guys apart. Might go tempo to keep those guys on the field. Don't let them rotate as much as they might like to rotate on the defensive front. Um, and I think the, the running game will be a, a sort of a secondary complementary aspect. Now, I will say, part of that was the linebackers that the Jaguars brought to the field last week. When you look at Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, they close uh, on those backs faster than maybe any linebackers in the game or very few linebackers in the game. And they did a really good job up front kind of hemming those guys in. But this team never runs into a wall. And, you know, Belichick says it all the time. Why run into a brick wall just to prove you can run the ball? No, you do what you think can move the football. And their best chance to move the football, I think, against the Eagles is to go old school Tom Brady in this Patriots offense, and that's spread them out, find the mismatch, you know, have Deion Lewis or James White in the backfield as the passing back, and then just pick them apart. And I, I think that's the way they'll approach it. And as I said, I think, you know, we've seen tempo at various times where they go no huddle or sort of that sugar huddle. You know, I think they'll do that probably early in this game. You know, everybody's talking about they've never scored in the first quarter of a Super Bowl, and Bill sort of shot that down and says, who cares? You know, it's what we do against the Eagles. I think they're going to look to come out to get off to a hot start against the Eagles and control the game. Um, you know, Minnesota had a chance to do that last week. They, they couldn't take advantage. I, I think the Patriots uh, will spread them out and try to throw the ball early. Andy, both these teams somewhat work off of, work very well off of bulletin board material. You know, one with the New England Patriots, if you start seeing what you're going to do, like we saw with Jacksonville and many teams before, that felt that they could come in and actually get a win, you end up seeing this team using that to their benefit. But then also, also you have the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they've been the underdog in the last couple of games, and we've seen all those dog masks from poodles and chihuahuas and, 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 and just some canines that, well, you know, they use that to their benefit as well. You know, how do you think this game actually comes out in the end for as you know, being extremely aggressive and playing for something very strong because that performance by Philadelphia was something I don't think we all uh, were anticipating to see. Yeah, it's funny. I think these two teams both like to play us against the world. You know, the Patriots have been playing it since, you know, 2001. They, they've always believed people doubt them. Even when they were the favorites, they thought people were doubting them. You know, they have the T-shirts. You've probably seen the, the press conferences, the guys coming to the podium with New England versus everybody. Um, they embrace that. You know, around here, the fans like to say they hate us because they ain't us. And now you've got a team that's doing the same thing with these dog masks and saying everybody doubts us and we're hosting the NFC title game, but we're the underdog and nobody thinks we can do it And the backup quarterback. And they have a quarterback that's, you know, trying to prove his story and kind of create his second tale um, in the NFL. But, you know, he's also a guy that <laughs> he had a season where he had the best passer rating in history, right? I mean, 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, whatever it was. I mean, there's talent there, and, and they've been able to sort of focus that in with this, this whole disrespect card, and it'll be interesting. But certainly from a Patriots perspective, even though Bill Belichick will never talk about it, he says that experience means nothing. This is a team that has experience. They will be ready to go. They know, you know all the little things, the, the warm-ups that are different, the longer halftime, and some of the advantages you have when you've played in this game before. So, you know, I, don't, I think they'll probably let the, the Eagles come out frothing at the mouth as the underdog, but 
they'll be ready to throw the last punch, maybe maybe not the first flurry of punches. But you're right, motivationally, and it'll be interesting to see what comes out over the next week plus. Um, very they're so well trained. Um, do the Eagles say anything that gives the the Patriots any of this bulletin board material? Um, but yep, both teams like to be. Uh, them against the world, and I don't think both teams can really believe that, but in the end, as Belichick would say, it's all about who executes, and, and some of that is executing your uh, bulletin board material game plan as well, I guess. Andy, great information as always. Safe travels. Looking forward to seeing you in person at the Super Bowl again next week in Minnesota. That's right. Mall of America, right? Radio Row. <laughs> yes, it, and certainly it is a wonderful referendum on the greatness of our republic. Thank you, Andy. See you guys. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.